And good evening from Champaign. Greg Sharp and McLaughlin ready to call some Husker baseball the next couple of days. We traveled here today. Tomorrow's game was supposed to be a 4 o'clock first pitch. They moved it back to 6, but uh, we're here. We're ready. We're fired up and lots to talk about here tonight on the program as a full three hours ahead of you in one of the best sports days of the year, right? I mean, it's opening day for Major League Baseball. It's really a cool day. You've got wall-to-wall coverage on ESPN throughout the day today. A lot of exciting games, a lot of strange games, but, man, I love this day. This is is really one of my favorite one-day sport events of the entire calendar year. Yeah, it is. It really is. Uh, I mean, especially after last year, you know, the – struggle to get baseball season back to finally have it you know somewhat regular time and have some fans in the stands in a lot of cases it's it really does feel just great to have baseball back and you know it's been a wild day in major league baseball there's been some crazy games already and uh some some really good performances for some players so yeah, it feels great to have it back. Uh, a little weird having it on a day in which we're traveling. I think that's the first time for me that that's ever happened, being on the road and having yeah. uh, opening day. But, yeah, it feels really good to have baseball back. Uh, for, for years, opening day was a Monday. The, the, I'm not sure if it's just the way the calendar fell this year not to open a season on a Thursday, but Major League Baseball traditionally opens on a Monday. Uh, and get some midweek series going, but they open today, and lots of great games. We'll, Josh, uh, we'll keep you posted throughout tonight with our sports ticker. Some news for Husker football, Ben, that broke in the last couple of hours, and that is their second commitment for the 2022 class, Victor Jones, a wide receiver out of Orlando, Florida, who said that he's been in touch with this staff, the Scott Frost staff, since they were at UCF. He goes, he goes back that far that he had his eye on them and started to establish a relationship with these guys uh, that far. He's a three-star, according to rivals. Love the size, though, another six-foot-two-inch wide receiver, and he becomes the second commitment to the 2022 class for the Oscars. Ernest Hosman, the young man from Columbus, Nebraska, was the first. But uh, there you go, number two. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't know that a lot of people were expecting this one to come in today. I don't even think he expected it necessarily reading the quotes that came from him today. He said it was kind of an out-of-the-blue decision, but love the way that Nebraska spent the time recruiting him. As you mentioned, good size, six foot two, 185-pounder. Decent little offer sheet. You know, down in the southeast there, you've got a couple of the Florida schools in on him being from Orlando, but Kentucky, Louisville, Maryland, uh, Arkansas, so West Virginia, a couple of other, you know, big-time programs in on him, and, you know, good for Nebraska to start – adding a little bit to the depth of that class. I know that was some concern for a lot of people, uh, how long it took Nebraska to get into the column with their commitments. But uh, two of them now, and you hope to just keep growing that list. Right, absolutely. You hope that you know you get a couple more that fall your way before you kind of jump into the summer thing. And, and I think the coaches are anticipating that the NCAA is going to open things back up beginning June the 1st. That seems to be the lean right now. And so they can, and they have started to, you probably, if you've been, if you've follow this closely you probably have seen that nebraska started to lock in official visits on campus in lincoln uh, starting in june and so they're getting some of those kind of spaced out and locked in for a couple of those weeks in there but um yeah so number two comes in today victor jones the wide receiver from orlando uh, commit number two to that 2022 class. Today was an off day for the Oscars as far as spring practice continues. They will be back out on the practice field tomorrow. Our next media availability, though, isn't until after their Monday practice, so it'll be a little while before we get a chance to catch up with uh, the Oscars again for our next practice report during 
spring ball of 2021. A huge day for college basketball, right? I mean, unbelievable some of the things that have been happening. I mean, late last week we heard Lon Kruger, the longtime Oklahoma head coach who had been at uh, Kansas State, had been at Illinois, had been at UNLV, and been at Oklahoma for the last decade. He announced he was retiring, and today Roy Williams stepping away from North Carolina. Uh, what a what a career he had! Three national titles, all at Carolina. Had a great run at Kansas, but never won a national title for the Jayhawks. But had tremendous teams uh, during the '90s. I know a lot of Husker fans saw some great Nebraska Kansas matchups at the Devaney Center during the the decade of the '90s when Danny Neese teams were really uh, really good. I mean, there were some, t- some phenomenal overtime type games at the Devaney Center that Roy Williams brought those Kansas teams into. Uh, but he's stepping away at the age of 70. And you and I have referenced this from time to time about you look at some of the premier college basketball coaches, and a lot of them are getting long in the tooth. I mean, there's Roy Williams at 70. Mike Krzyzewski's in his 70s. Jim Beheim's in his 70s. Tom Izzo's approaching 70. Uh, John Calipari's early 60s. Uh, who am I missing? Rick Patino's another guy's in his 70s. I know he's kind of fallen off the map and now is at Iona, but certainly a big name in college basketball for years. So this is a big one. This is a big news. North Carolina doesn't have very many coaches. And Roy Williams has held that post for nearly two decades now and had himself quite a run at Carolina. Yeah, and you got to realize that now with one of these jobs, this is a – domino starting job right i mean this is a destination job for somebody uh some lucky applicant and this is going to be a trickle down effect because unless they hire within you know this is going to be someone's going to leave a job and it's going to it's going to be a domino effect there'll probably be three or four head coaching vacancies that are affected by this assuming they don't hire from within so yeah, this will be uh, an, an interesting situation to see, number one, where a school like North Carolina goes. How how f- uh, high into the stars do they reach? And if they are able to attract a good head coach from, from another program, how many other jobs are going to follow due to uh, other vacancies being filled up? So, yeah, it'll be interesting to find out. But this is a, this is a big one today that opened up. Carolina doesn't generally fall far from the tree. They like somebody that has some ties to their program. And so Hubert Davis is a name that has popped up. I used to see Hubert on ESPN's College Game Day. He's been on the staff for the last couple of years. I don't think they'll stray very far away from the Carolina tree as they make their uh, pick for that. And in the Big 12, Texas lures Chris Beard away from Texas Tech. Beard is a Texas grad, uh, so there is some allegiance there, the alma mater pull. But, man, what a what a coup for the Longhorns to get Beard, who has put together a tremendous program in Lubbock. Had him in the Final Four two years ago, uh, and they were not as good this year. But, wow, what, what a get for Texas, who Shaka Smart left them a week ago to take the Marquette job. Uh, but, yeah, big get for the Longhorns to go nab Chris Beard in their conference at Texas Tech to take over their team. Yeah, that's got to be it's got to be a disappointing day for Red Raider fans. I mean, a school that already looks down on you like your little brother, uh, and then you go pluck their head coach who not only made an Elite Eight but also a, a finals appearance. It's got to be a pretty pretty frustrating day if you're a Red Raider fan, but – you know, Texas can do that. They can go pull those types of coaches in and, 
you know, they didn't have a, a vacancy for very long. And I think if you ask Longhorn fans, especially the way that that season ended, uh, losing to Abilene Christian, they'll gladly accept uh, Chris Beard from the Red Raiders considering uh, Shaka Smart. And I think a lot of Longhorn fans would consider him a pretty big failure, you know, as a head coach, even though they played really well this season and had their best team and, and earned a three seed. This isn't the way that you wanted to end was with a, with a first-round knockout to Abilene Christian. So I think uh, if you're in some burnt orange down in Austin, you're probably doing cartwheels today. So quite a bit of, quite a bit of move, movement in the college basketball world as, as the coaching pieces get moved around. Obviously, Minnesota and Indiana in the big, and Penn State in the Big Ten. You had three changes in the Big Ten Conference for college basketball coaching, and now a, a major retirement with Roy Williams there at North Carolina. Alright, here's what we have coming up on the program tonight. Our good friend Parker Gabriel, the Lincoln Journal star, will join us. Uh, get his observations of week one of Husker Spring football practice. A lot of media availability this week. We heard from a head coach. We heard from both coordinators. We heard from several of the assistant coaches. So a lot to digest. We'll see what Parker has picked through to uh, see as the biggest nuggets of the first week for the Oscars. That's coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Hour number two, Ben's going to sit down with Joe Acker, one of the super seniors on this Husker baseball team that came back for another year after last season's got cut so short. Um, so we'll talk to Joe. We're going to go beyond the headlines, see what Austin and Josh have been able to cook up with. Uh, and that's always a fun segment. We'll have that in hour number two. Third hour of the program, face off is back. You're out. You're out. out. You're gone. Knocked out. Uh, Josh has reclaimed the trophy, and so now his next um, opponent is, is it Timmy? Timmy. Okay. The self-proclaimed best (laughs) Timmy ever. I think that was what he said. Uh, Yeah, self-proclaimed the Timmy. So Tim Kern will be the opponent for Josh. You and I had a couple of hour drive from Chicago and Anna Champaign, so we had plenty of time to put together the list of questions. I think they're incredibly solid. I think they're fair. I don't think they're Austin Orman tough. No YouTube questions. (laughs) No, just kidding, Austin. Uh, So I think we're going to have some fun with the face-off coming up in uh, the third hour of the program. We'll also have our flex picks for the week. Uh, give you tell you what we've been what's been on our screens the last couple of weeks here. Uh, I don't I don't think we had a flicks picks last week, so it's been a while since we've done one of those. So we'll have some fun with that. And as always, phone lines are open and available for you at five three one five hundred forty six eighty six, either with a call or a text, utilizing our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers U.S. Cellular Connecting Husker. Nation. All right, when we come back, we'll sit down with Parker Gabriel, the Lincoln Journal star. That's next. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you here on a Thursday night. We're in Champaign tonight. Getting ready for Husker baseball starts tomorrow, 6 o'clock, first pitch. Pre-game coverage begins at 5.30. We are delighted to welcome on board a program, a guy that I know enjoys baseball, and that's Parker Gabriel. Do, do, are you a fan of opening? you got to be a fan of opening day, right? Oh, heck yeah. It's one of the best days of the year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah opening day, uh, it, it was it was awesome today, and then to see uh, teams pop out of the dugout and run out there in front of fans too is just like awesome. And obviously, that's something that uh, that that Nebraska now is familiar with here recently too. 
Yeah, and you know, Parker, I don't know that if you made it out to Haymarket Park at all last weekend. It made a difference. I, I, I'm convinced it helped Nebraska win one of those games of that doubleheader. Uh, they kind of got into the head of the, the gopher pitching staff a little bit. It's just, it shows you what home field and home court advantage can mean. I know we dearly missed that in, in both college football and college basketball this year, and so hopefully we're returning to uh, some sense of normalcy with all of that. Something that is kind of normal is spring football. <laughs> last year, after only having a couple of practices, the Oscars have already had two this week. They'll have their third tomorrow. What have been some of your takeaways from what you've all the information you've gathered over the last three days? Yeah, uh, well, I think one of the things is that those guys, coaches and players, are are happy to be back on, on the field. Um, it's always a good time of year. You know, you got everything in front of you. Um, you don't. You, there's a sense of urgency, but you're not gearing up to play. Uh, you know, on Saturday, obviously, and then. Um, on, on top of that, you know, like you say, last year, the last year has just been such a, a whirlwind that for it to feel normal at all, I think, is, is just a relief. It's, it feels like a regular schedule, I think, for those guys. Uh, and then, you know, as it pertains to the particular team, um, there's, been a, there's been a bunch of things that, that I've found interesting so far. None more so probably than what seems to be the focus thus far uh, on, on special teams. And, of course, you know, we're not – we're not we're not over there watching practice obviously you only know so much but I, I think it's fair to say that we've just heard more about it than you normally hear in the first two days of spring ball that's Mike Dawson obviously you know taking over as a special teams coordinator on the staff in addition to coaching um, outside linebackers and then listening to to Sean Becton and Travis Fisher with really strong comments you know Sean Becton saying he didn't think that the the coaching staff did a good enough job uh, in the special teams department last year. And Travis Fisher saying things like, you know, everybody in his room has to start on at least one. If, you, if you're going to play defensive back in Nebraska, whether you're a scholarship player or a walk-on, you have to start on special teams, non-negotiable. Um, it just seems like those guys are ready to um, sort of back Mike Dawson in that, in that venture. And it's something that, I mean, Travis Fisher said it, our guys see that it's the difference between wins and losses, and, and that's certainly been the case at least a couple of times for Nebraska in, in the past couple of years. Yeah, I was going to say that that's been that's been a pretty big hiccup, hasn't it, for the program? What they their inability to make plays in that phase of the game. Yeah, it has been. It's been it's been the absence of big plays, and then it's been yeah. the allowing big of plays. big plays the other yeah. way. Yeah, and that's really. You know, it's something that Mike Dawson, in listening to Mike Dawson, who's coached at a high level at Boston College, was involved in it with the Philadelphia Eagles. He said it's much more about fundamentals and technique than it is about scheme. And I found that really interesting because it's one of those things that when you think of the teams that are the best in the Big Ten, for example, in special teams, yeah, I mean, if you have a bunch of premium athletes, you're in better shape. But I think that if you – just this isn't, this isn't maybe absolute, but just in general, the programs where you, the first thing you think is, hey, you know what, they don't beat themselves, they're buttoned up, they're organized, they've got their stuff together. Those are the teams that typically are pretty good on special teams. I think, you know, you think of Northwestern, you think of Iowa, you think of Wisconsin, you know, you think of teams that do the quote-unquote little things well, typically the teams that do special teams well. And that's kind of, I mean, Nebraska needs to get there sooner rather than later because... They, they, you just play in a lot of close games in conference, and, and special teams can make the difference. Visiting again with Parker Gabriel, the Lincoln Journal star, spring 
football practice underway for the Big Red. They've got two in the books. Their third is tomorrow. I thought the head coach raised some eyebrows Monday, Parker, when he said Samari Toure is going to be a slot receiver. At least they're going to try him there. Did you did you imagine that happening? I, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't, um, and I think it's it's very interesting, and I think it makes a lot of sense uh, when you when you look at it. I mean, he's got a he's got a skill set that's different and a body type that's different than the guys that have manned the slot for the most part for Nebraska. Um, but if you hey, if you've got a six foot three guy that can that can be good in short area and can and be an outlet over the middle, and you know, I think when you look at the type of routes that say a Wando Robinson ran. Um, in his two years as being the primary player in that position, if you've got a guy that's six three um, that can that can run that same sort of route tree and be an option over the middle, that's really nice for a quarterback. And then I think if you take it a step further, you know, we'll see that that room is wide open and there's a lot of competition. But when you start thinking about the guys that are maybe most likely to be in the mix outside, you're talking about you know, Xavier Betts, uh, Oliver Martin, and Levi Falk, the transfers from last year, uh, Omar Manning, as he sort of continues to to have a strong winter, and now that's sort of fed into what's been a strong spring so far. Those are all guys that are 6'2 and up. Uh, Oliver Martin might be listed at 6'1", but, you know, well over six feet tall, playing outside. And it, when you start thinking about grouping those guys together with a guy like Samari Ture at 6'3 in the slot, um, you start to – get a sense that it's going to be, you know, a physically imposing group. Now you've still got to go out there and do it. Obviously. I think a lot of Nebraska fans want to see it, uh, you know, produce on the field, but um, it's a group that is not going to be lacking in size. And that's something that we just haven't really been able to say about that, that wide receiver group at Nebraska for, for several years. And within the last couple of hours, Nebraska's picked up a commit for that room. And Victor Jones from Orlando, I know you've already got a piece up at the Journal Star website. What, what should we know about Victor Jones? Well, everything that I know about Victor Jones, Greg, I've learned in about the last hour and a half. Because I did not know who he was before I saw the tweet saying he committed, which which happens sometimes. You know, it's especially especially with the pandemic and the long dead period. I mean, you know, sometimes you can figure out who they're recruiting, and sometimes they play that stuff pretty close to the vest. So. Um, he's, he's another guy. He's listed at 6'2". Um, he plays in Orlando, Florida. He's a guy that Nebraska's been familiar with for a really, like a really long time because, obviously, uh, they were, they co- most of this coaching staff was in Orlando before they came to Nebraska three years ago. Um, so that, that they've known who Victor Jones is for a long time. Victor Jones has known uh, who Scott Frost is for a long time. They've had a connection. You know, he said they've been in contact with him. Um, consistently for the last uh, year, year and a half for sure at Nebraska, and, and they knew who he was even back in the Orlando days. So um, he's a guy that they're excited about. Uh, anytime, you know, even this day and age, when, when you see them take a commitment from a kid who's, you know, that far away, who hasn't been to Lincoln so far, uh, you know they feel pretty strongly about him. So just another guy, you know, the three, the three freshmen that they have coming in this summer, are all six three and up? Victor Jones uh, two now for twenty twenty two is a, a sort of a long rangy guy, so is definitely a premium on size as they've been uh, recruiting wide receivers here. Yeah, you sure can see where they're where they're going with all this stuff. Again, visiting with Parker Gabriel, the Lincoln Journal Star. One of the assistant coaches that was made available yesterday was Travis Fisher, and I know you spent some time around his huddle a little bit. What what piqued your interest hearing from him? Well, you know, I think one of the things that I've I've sort of thought of in the last couple of days, and especially uh, listening uh, to Travis yesterday, is it maybe just goes under the radar a little bit. Maybe it's because 
the secondary played pretty well, all things considered, last year, and because it was just a weird year anyways. But that was a group that really dealt with maybe as significant of injury issues as any position on the roster. You know, they were without Braxton Clark from the start. He, he suffered a season-ending shoulder injury in camp. They were without Javen Wright from the start. Uh, lost Miles Farmer halfway through the season. Uh, lost Nadab Joseph, actually, who was just starting to sort of come on uh, in that same game against Purdue. And so they're really, even though there's only the one spot, quote-unquote, that's open in the secondary, they've got to replace DiCaprio Boodle. And besides that, they've got three starters back in, in Taylor Britt and then Dismuke and Williams of safeties. There's a lot of new blood in that group. There's a lot of young guys that are going to compete for playing time in that group. And and Travis Fisher said yesterday that he thought that uh, Javen Wright and Miles Farmer both would have played a lot. Farmer obviously hmm. played some and would have played more down the stretch and that they would have used Javen Wright a lot. And, you know, that would have been – he's just a redshirt freshman. That would have been his first action at the college level um, last year. And so I think it's easy to just say – hey, one cornerback spot, wonder who's going to win it. But I think that they'd like to not have to lean on the safeties, especially Martel Dismuke and Deontay Williams, to play every single snap over a 12-game season. Um, and I, I think you'll see them, a lot of young guys, get a lot of meaningful work uh, this spring in the, in the secondary for, for Travis Fisher. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was, it's kind of like the fire hose, right, in the, in the last three or four days. We've all kind of been waiting for some Husker football news, and then you get the head coach, the coordinator, some assistants. I mean, there's a lot. That's probably going to keep you guys busy for the next four or five days. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we got stuff. We're, 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 uh, we're, <laughs> we're piecing it out through the weekend, and then Monday we'll be, you know, we'll be back to it with um, uh, sounds like some, some quarterback activity on Monday and then uh, and, uh, and Mario Verduzco and Ryan Held. So it'll be – it's um, it's interesting. It's it's such a, and and I know you've experienced this a little bit in in recent weeks. We were over there. We were at Memorial Stadium, uh, sort of in the concourse, outdoors ish, um, for socially distanced in person interviews. First time we've done in person interviews for something you know sanctioned Nebraska football sanctioned event in more than a year, uh, and it just makes such a difference to like stand yeah. in front of someone and talk to them face to face rather than through a computer screen. So that's been really good, um, and those guys are typically pretty straightforward uh, with us. And and yeah, so there's been, there's been a lot of information. It's that time of year, I think, where you're you're sifting through a lot of stuff as a coaching staff, and for sure as a player, um, trying to get a lot of developmental work in over the month of April. So yeah, it's been a fun couple first days, and I think it'll continue to be interesting, uh, you know, for the next month. No, you're you're exactly right. You just lose something by doing those Zoom press conferences, and and we've been grateful to have those over the last ten, twelve months. But it's certainly Absolutely, it's just yeah. a different feel when you can be there in front of. And I got good news for you. The next time you got to go do that on Monday, it's going to be about thirty degrees warmer. I mean, that'll be better, right? I mean, it was it was chilly out there. <laughs> it only took Greg Austin was standing up there in a t-shirt and shorts. That's, that's a yeah. that is a that is an offensive lineman move if I've ever seen one. The wind was blowing through there, and it was about. It was about 45 seconds in when he looked at Steve Sippel, our columnist of the Journal Star, and he said, are you cold? And uh, <laughs> Sippel said no, but I think he might have been fibbing a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you mentioned quarterbacks. Does spring ball lose any interest for you when there's really not a quarterback controversy at all? Because there, really, there, is, there isn't anything in Nebraska. It's clearly Adrian's team. Uh, sometimes it does, but this spring it doesn't um, because I think it's a critical one for 
Logan Smothers and, and Heinrich Harburg and, and Matt yeah. Masker. And I say that I, 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 I always try to put the sort of caveat on it that no matter what, regardless of whether the coaching staff comes out of this spring and says, yup, one of those guys is ready or whether they decide they need to, you know, maybe explore a, a portal transfer portal option at quarterback. Those guys have a ton of football in front of them, a ton of college football. So it's not like a make or break do or die spring for Logan Smothers or Heiner Carberg. They've got, years of development in front of them, but it's critical in the sense of they can make the decision easy for the coaching staff if they play really well this spring. And if they show that they can be functional, sort of game-ready depth, the guy that if Adrian went down, you could put in and say, we think we can win a game with Logan Smothers or with Heinrich Harburg or Matt Masker. And so it's, it's a critical spring in the quarterback room because – of that it, to see if those guys can prove that. And it's, I think it's critical for, for Adrian too. He's, he's played a ton of football um, and he's got a chance here to show um, that he can really do it at a high level in the big 10. So sometimes it gets boring if there's not a, if there's not a horse race, but I think in this situation um, it's a critical off season for everyone. And, and the quarterback room certainly is not exempt from that. Well, great to have you on. Keep it coming. I've been I've been soaking all this stuff up. You've been putting out the last twenty four hours. I know the audience is as well. Great stuff as always, and we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thanks. Here we are. We're in Champaign tonight, getting ready for Husker baseball this weekend. Six o'clock first pitch tomorrow. Five o'clock Saturday noon on Sunday for your listening pleasure here on the Husker Sports Network. Huskers begin the weekend. Tied for second in the Big Ten Conference with Michigan. Just a mere half game back of Indiana as we get ready to head into another weekend of Big Ten or Big Ten baseball. There's some college baseball going on around tonight. A lot of leagues play Thursday, Friday, Saturday this weekend because of Easter. They give the teams Easter Sunday off. I think that's pretty neat. The Big Ten doesn't do it that way, but enough on that. All right, coming up this hour, we're going to talk some baseball with Joe Acker, the one of those Husker super seniors who opted to come back and take advantage of the NCAA rule to allow a team another year of eligibility after last season got wiped out. We'll hear from Joe, and we'll go beyond the headlines later with uh, Josh and Austin putting together some of the topics for us to take a look at. Uh, Joe Acker, man, has he gotten off to a great start? Started the first two weekends and batted in the nine hole, and then over in Iowa City two weeks ago, Will Bolt moved him to the leadoff spot. He's really taken to that and playing right field this year, Ben, which is different for, for us to see with Joe. Usually in the first couple of years in Nebraska, he's been a center fielder, but playing over and right. Yeah, doing a great job and, you know, really, really providing a lot for Nebraska defensively, offensively on the bases, just really all the way around. Just been a really solid player for Nebraska so far this season. And we were lucky enough to chat with Joe before the team made the trip over here to Champaign, Illinois. And a couple of good weekends in a row for the team with series wins over Iowa and last week against Minnesota. I asked Joe just what the attitude and the mood of the clubhouse is after a couple of good weekends. Uh, I think the guys are just are ready to go. I mean, as you've seen these these last couple weeks, you know, starting on that Saturday um, at Iowa, kind of flipped the switch after those three losses. Um, And, you know, the offense is is producing at a high clip. And then obviously our pitching staff has been pretty dominant the whole year. Um, Guys are ready to to go to Illinois. For most most guys on the team, it's their first time playing in Champaign. But... (laughs) For me and some of the really old guys, um, this will be the second time we're playing there. So 
Um, it's a launch pad. I mean, the ball flies there, and I think the wind is going to play into our favor. But if we just stick to what we've been doing, it should be should be another fun weekend for us. Joe, before we kind of get into some of the nuts and bolts, just how have you and the and the older guys I'm talking about, you know, Mojo and Luke, just approached this season compared to maybe some of the others? Because I think it might have been a calendar year ago, close to today, that you and I were having a conversation on this same show about not knowing what the future was going to hold. How how has everything you've been through in the last year kind of affected? Have you you've approached every day? Yeah, I think. It's been it's been a roller coaster. I, I remember that conversation I had had with you about a year ago, and so much going forward was unknown. And so I think with so much being unknown, you kind of just have to go with the flow as best you can, knowing that nothing is guaranteed. And you know, we knew going into the season even that if there was hey going to be a COVID spike or some team might get shut down to COVID, that you know a series might get canceled. So as a senior, when it's your kind of your last ride. Um, me, Mojo, and some of those other guys have kind of just, you know, taken on the the mentality that, hey, we just got to enjoy the little things, enjoy the, you know, things that before might have seemed tedious, the bus rides to, you know, the away games or whatever, sitting at the airport terminal with, with your teammates, just the little things I'm trying to to enjoy a bit more this year. That being said, on the field, it's been interesting to follow this season because you have – so many parts that are capable of helping this team out. Sometimes you guys have had to wait your turn, which isn't always the case with fifth-year super seniors. What's that part mm-hmm. been like to just sit back and at times see younger players grab the reins and say, look, I'm, I'm just as capable as anybody else, and you know, give those coaches thoughts when it comes time to filling out a lineup card? I think it's encouraging for not only as a team but as a program uh, I think it's encouraging as a as a team just knowing that, you know, hey, if someone's, you know, struggling or in a, a little drought offensively, you know, there's multiple guys on the bench that can get it done. But also as a senior, it's promising knowing that, you know, after this year, after you leave the program, that, you know, the program is going to be in, in really good hands uh, moving forward. Your role has kind of changed a little bit this year. I know – talking with the coaches before the season, they, they really wanted you specifically in the nine spot because of your experience and your ability to work counts. Uh, that's kind of flipped. Mm-hmm. You, you've, you've, you flipped up to the top. I know probably not a ton changes, you know, with the approach from the nine and the one spot in the order, but what does that say to you about your coach's confidence in you, particularly early in games to set the tone the right way. And then, you know, may, how you might approach that as you would, you know, a, a game in the nine hole. Yeah, I think kind of like you hinted at, a lot of the approach doesn't change. I think it's more so going from nine to one is is you have to set the tone for the offense. Obviously, in the nine hole, you're kind of you're at the back half. I mean, you still have to put a quality A B together, but when you're the lead off, I mean, you're setting the tone for the game. You don't want to dip your toe in, as we always say, in a game and just kind of play it out and see how see how it see how the game goes my role as the leadoff is you know to set the tone and and put a quality ab together it doesn't it doesn't have to be a hit it can be a walk and it can even be an out it just has to be a a competitive at bat to you know you know learn something from the at bat come back to the dugout let the guys know hey is the fastball moving what's the slider like 
just trying to see pitches and, you know, put a quality at bat together. That's probably the biggest difference from one through nine. Joe, we talk a lot on the broadcasts and have throughout the season about how deep this lineup is and how at any point, at any point, uh, a rally can be sparked one through nine in the order. That mm-hmm. hasn't always been the case with Husker teams. Sometimes we've been really top heavy one through five, really doing all the damage. What, what, yeah. what's that like as a, as a leadoff hitter, um, to come up in a lot of RBI situations like you have, or, you know, to be down three to nothing or four to nothing in a game in the middle part of the innings and have seven, eight, nine do up just as the, as the psyche and the mentality, what, what does that do for a team when you have so many capable bats in a lineup? I think it, it allows you to stop playing the scoreboard. I think it allows you to just, you know, go one inning at a time and be competitive because you know that that guy's one through nine, anybody can can do it for you. I know, like you, you mentioned in years past, which is very true, there's been, you know, X number of guys that are, are really only capable of driving in runs. And, and, you know, now this year we got we got a handful of guys even on the bench that can 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 do it for us so um it's encouraging and it and it's a really really fun feeling because it also doesn't put so much pressure on certain guys to feel like they have to carry the team if they're having an off day you know in baseball there's going to be days where you go for four and and if you're the guy that you know previously the whole offense was relying on you know having a perfect day um that puts a lot of pressure on you so to be able to know that you don't have to be perfect or get a hit every time is it takes the pressure off guys and it allow it frees them up to be even more successful. Joe, I want to ask you a little bit about the success of the team so far. And I know it doesn't do anybody get any good standings watching every single day and scoreboard watching already mm-hmm. this early in the season. But what, what type of validation or hunger does it give you to see everything that you guys are doing when you're not playing games pay off when you are playing games? And, you know, maybe for some of those younger players to say, yeah, what we're doing is working. And, you know, if we keep doing what we're doing, we might stay in the standings or even leap some teams at the end. And then, of course, in the back of your mind, knowing there's no Big Ten tournament, how does this success that you guys have had the first few weekends kind of fuel the fire for the rest of the year? I think it gives you confidence going forward that, you know, everything you thought about your team. I mean, we went into the season knowing we were a talented team. And, you know, now that the results are coming, it kind of gives you encouragement to say, hey, we can win this thing. We know we can win this thing. We're good enough to win this thing. And then obviously with the no Big Ten tournament and the Big Ten obviously going to be getting at large bids for the NCAA tournament, you know how important all the Big Ten games are going to be this year. So um, it's nice to get off to a hot start and and going, I mean, even with the wins and being up in the standings, nothing changes from our approach standpoint. Um as a team, we still got to stay hungry and, you know, go out and compete and just go day by day. Joe, before we cut you loose, we'll ask you one more. I want to ask you about your head coach, Will Bolt. I know last year was really a bummer when, when the season got plugged for a multitude of reasons, but um, we were just starting to figure out what Will Bolt teams look like and, and what his mentality yeah. is as a coach. I think we're starting to get that picture now, now that we're, you know, we've basically seen you guys play for maybe three months under his head coach. But as a player, what, what has he been like in instilling these types of mindsets in you guys um, so early on in his career and have it pay off and have people buy in so quickly? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it all comes down to buying in what, what he's 
what he's preaching as far as you, your roles on the team, your role in the offense, you know, who you are as a defensive player. And I think guys are starting to see in kind of at the back half for the little bit of year one that we had. And then especially this year, the, the benefits that can come from that. I don't think anybody's not bought in. Anybody that wasn't is probably gone by now. And, um, we're reaping the benefits of that. And coach Bolt always says that, you know, game day is, is the day for us. It's to, you know, let the reins loose and, you know, just go out and be competitive and, and uh, do what makes you as a team great. And, and we've seen that this year. I mean, we've, we've put in the last two years more preparation than um, I ever have those, those other years I was here. So um, it's, it's nice to reap the results. Joe Acker, Husker, senior outfielder with us here on Sports Daily. Joe, we appreciate the time, man. Let's keep this thing rolling out in Champaign. We'll see you at the park this weekend. Thanks, bud. Will do. See you then. We're back on a Thursday night, Sports Daily here on the Husker Sports Network. This is our last show of the week. We have baseball tomorrow night. Huskers and the Illini will first pitch at 6. We're on the air at pregame coverage at 5.30 tomorrow night. Tonight, though, is the business at hand. Time for us to go beyond the headlines. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! And that's the way it is. Good night. Beyond the Headlines. Well, as you guys know, it is April Fool's Day today. So we do have some uh, April Fool's-themed questions for you. Okay. Slash topics. So actually, that's where we're going to start. The first one... Uh, comes from the Husker Football Twitter account, which tweeted a video of the Fumble Rooski play, the famous one from the 1984 Orange Bowl against Miami. And, of course, that uh, honored April Fool's Day with one of the legendary trick plays in Husker history. So let's broaden it up outside of Husker sports. What are some of your favorite trick plays in mm. sports history? Huh, huh, huh. I remember it was a College World Series. I think it was Wichita State, maybe in the late 80s, early 90s, where they did the hidden ball trip trick at first base and they mm. i think they might have been playing miami i think that's right miami and, and they pulled it off and they tagged the guy out uh, and i'm really i'm 80 percent confident with wichita state i love they show that a lot they'll pull that out of the archives and show that some from time to time during the cws that was a pretty cool moment remember that um trying to think trying to be creative here i remember it was a Michigan football game under Coach Harbaugh where they, they came out and all 11 guys lined up in a line. Do you, do you guys remember <laughs> I that? Remember I think that. they ended up yeah. getting flagged on the play. <laughs> um, but I remember that. I I always love the – oh, I think it was just last week. I saw This isn't the best one, but it's just rush off the dome, so we'll roll with it. Uh, I can't remember what team it was. It was an FCS team last week. They threw a hook and ladder. They threw a quick wide receiver screen, and they lateraled it to the left tackle, and he ran around the edge and scored. So, yeah. Isn't isn't football the best sport yes. for trick plays? 100%. I mean, the, well, the hidden ball trick works in baseball, but that's really it's it's kind of a yeah. football deal. And that's what I was going to say. I was I, I was going to mention the Boise State against Oklahoma. Yes, that's I, a good. I one. think that was 07, and they had multiple Statue trick plays. Yeah, the Statue <laughs> of Liberty. They had a hook and ladder in that one too. So those are some that kind of stand out for me. But you're right, Greg. It kind of 
your mind goes to football first football. when you think of trick yeah. plays. Yeah. Basketball doesn't lend itself, but I'm always a fan of just to throw it off the defender's butt and get yourself a layup <laughs> point, yeah. too. No, that you better yeah. make the layup when you do that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Topic number two of the night, too. Major League Baseball. Happy opening day, everyone. Last night's show, we all picked our division winners, and hopefully nothing today has made you feel too bad about those picks. But having picked those winners, who do you guys have winning the wild card spots, the pennants, and the World Series? Whew. Uh, well, I didn't pick the Twins in the Central, so I'm going to pick them for a wild card. And I will pick the Angels in the other wild card. So I'll go Angels-Twins, because in the uh, AL West I chose the Astros. And then the National League uh, for wild cards, give me the Padres, because I chose the Dodgers. And give me the uh, – I'll go the Mets. I'll go Mets, Padres. The pennant winners will be – I'll say the Padres get hot. So give me the Padres against the uh, – who do we like in the AL? Who do we <laughs> like in the AL? Um, go with the Twins. Nah, don't. <laughs> Twins don't win. Don't they don't win playoff so. games. So. I'll, I'll say the Yankees. I'll say the Yankees. All right, and then who wins it all? Uh, the Yankees. All right, Greg. My wild cards are we? Do we know the set number of playoff teams? I you get the two wild cards again this two, year. Yeah, two wild cards. Okay, so they're going back, back to, to pre last year. Yes. Yes. Okay, because we did have a mistake <laughs> made last night by Lane Grindle. Oh. Who told me that? Because I asked him, I go, "What about extra innings?" He goes, "No, it goes back to normal." That's not true. They're 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 staying with the runner at second base, right. they, and Start we saw that today, multiple times. Yeah, I know it. He make it fired. I mean, oh, that's just. Man. I mean, that may be a box we eliminate. Now, <laughs> here's the thing. Okay, so if we go back to two wild cards, I'll go. Um, I'll go Tampa. Because okay. I had the Yankees win in the East. And then I'm going to go Oakland out of the West. So those right. are my two wild cards. I thought you chose Oakland to no, win the division. No, no went I went down. Houston. 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 Okay, okay, okay. I went Houston. We wrote so these then, down, Ben. So we we've got oh, yeah. locked in. Yeah. So then uh, my. So then you want the LCSs? Yes. We need national wild cards, AL, and all kind of World Series. Yeah, and then the championship series and Worlds. Okay, so my national wild cards. I will go Mets, and I'll go Dodgers as my wild cards. That's right, because you have the Padres as the yeah. Yeah. West champ. Division winner. All right, what's Division a World winner. Series matchup and winner? Uh, my World Series matchup. I'm going to go uh, I'm gonna go Houston. Will Bolt will be very happy with wow. me. i got to keep him on my good side. Suck That's up. true, yeah. So <laughs> I'll go Houston against the Mets. Ooh, who wins that? Houston. All right. Whoa! That's... <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. All right. Lock it in. I'm, I'm with you guys, though. This is a great day. I've been watching baseball all day. Other than the Twins blowing their three-run lead against Milwaukee, it's been a good day. So That was an implosion. Yes. Yes, it was. Before we move on, a reminder to buckle up and put the phone down from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. All right. Topic number three. 
A man from Atlanta, Georgia, named Andreas Flatten recently received his final paycheck from his job after quitting it in November, but the final payment was delivered to his house as $915 worth of pennies. The pennies Whoa. were in a wheelbarrow. They were covered in grease, and Flatten had to spend and has been spending hours cleaning them off in order to cash them in. In addition to the money, there is a pay stub and an explicit note from his boss, who obviously was bitter about something about him leaving, but... Uh, there, there was an addition to this story actually today, just a couple hours ago, found this, that a uh, company called, I think it's Coinstar, they offered to come pick up the coins from him and uh, also get basically pay him $1,000 for it instead of the 915 So he got more money for it, and they kind of helped him out a little bit. Good. So, um, but the question for you guys is, what is the most amount of coins, the highest amount of coins that you've ever counted out at once or had in your possession at once? Mm, good one. I, I mean, I used to, yeah, I mean, uh, Grandpa and Grandma used to come by and give you some coins every time they'd come visit. So you would accumulate quite a bit, and then you would take them to the bank, and they'd put in that little coin counter thing. I don't know, maybe maybe 60 bucks worth yeah. coins. Yeah. It's probably I, about right. I think I've trumped you on the coins. I, I, I want to say one time in high school, my sister and I counted out a bunch, and I, th- and I think it was over like two hundred bucks. Whoa, wow. that's crazy. Um, obviously, I didn't get to keep all of it. I think we had to split it, but yeah, <laughs> it was, it was a large amount. Either of you guys like get any more, you know, collectible type coins ever or not? Yeah, I used to collect coins, uh, quarters with with the, the state states, heads yeah. on them. Yeah, sure. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I, I had a a little coin book of all of the states, and then you found out that there was two mints, right? The Philadelphia mint and the Denver mint of each state. So yep. the fifty then turned into a hundred. <laughs> well, then the, then it, then you had like some of those specialty coins after Hawaii. <laughs> oh wow, so, neat. Yeah. Man, so you, you I, took this a lot longer. I, I'm not. I'm not. I did not. Re- Acquire them all. I'm okay. just saying that that was the goal. Right. Uh, we felt we fell well short of our goal. I believe. Gotcha. I, I, I couldn't even tell you whether I, I might have just given up and turned those quarters in. To be honest with you, <laughs> I, I don't. I think it was a maybe a sixty to seventy percent collection. I said, yeah, this probably isn't going to be worth much. So let's go turn these babies in. Fair enough. Hard to blame when they keep moving the goalposts like yeah. that, adding another yeah. mint, adding all the ones yeah. after that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Topic number four of the night, somewhat Husker football related. Oklahoma State head coach Mike Gundy said in an interview recently he would be open to having spring games played against a different school. He threw out Nebraska and Texas A&M as examples. So would you guys ever be in favor of a semi-competitive spring game against a different football team, or do you like the current spring game format? No. I don't want to do that. I know that could be coaches would be so afraid of getting somebody hurt for the next year. I, I don't want to go down that path. I think that's too much. I think it's asking too much. You're going to make somebody travel. Um, yeah, leave it Leave it as it is. You know, it used to be an alumni game. It used to bring back alumni to play the real <laughs> team. so and, interesting. Uh, yeah, that got – then the, the guys got too big. So the alumni said, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. So they stopped <laughs> yeah. doing that. I, I'm going to disagree with Greg on this one. I'm all for it. I think it would be fun. Uh, now, I think you – you know, you see it in the NFL, right, with those scrimmages where in hard knocks where a lot of times we go fisticuffs by the third series with the other team. I don't I don't want to encourage that by any means. But, I mean, may, maybe, it, maybe it's just me being around practice too much where it's just, it just doesn't do a lot for me. But I think seeing it uh, 
And, and here's the other thing. This would be so vanilla, right? You wouldn't see any plays right. being called. It would be it would be uber boring. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's something about it that, that intrigues me. To me, it would be hard, I think, for the coaches to agree on a format. and like. Yeah. It, with, it, look, the, the logistics <laughs> of it would probably never happen. Yeah. But if you just presented, like if somebody wrote me a, a proposal and said this is how it's going to be and I could make amendments to it, I could get on board with yeah. that. I'm with you, Ben. I think that if it was done right and they could figure out how to do it well, then I would be open to the idea. Um, Topic number five here. I'm sure you guys have, of course, heard about the large cargo ship named Ever Given that was stuck in the Suez Canal for six (laughs) days. A lot of uh, social media on that. What would you guys have done to get that thing out of there more quickly than the almost week that it took? So what did they do to get it out? I mean, they just a lot of things they had. Back it up, (laughs) go forward, back it up, like Austin Powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a lot of little tugboats that were trying, you know, pulling at different angles and trying to get it out of there. They had had some some back diggers, graders who were pulling mud out from underneath the. Right. Are there any ideas though that you guys have that might have worked a little bit better than? What what if you attached some like heavy duty cables and flew some helicopters around that thing? There I don't you think go. you could lift okay. it. I think so. <laughs> well, I mean, like, just kind of rotate it. At least, at least right. three helicopters. All right. Uh, I, know. I don't know there was any way they could. I mean, they brought, they brought people from all kinds of countries in to try to help figure out how to get the thing off the little beach that it can we under, can, can we? Do we have an answer of how that happened? It was it just. Yeah, it was blown. A little it was too a shallow, storm. a little too much wind. Yeah. I was told. Somebody, who was telling us the other night? Was it Tim or somebody saying that they people have to train before they're allowed to take a ship through there? Because there's. Oh, I'm sure. You've got to navigate it, and you got to take courses and I mean, stuff. And this guy just got it going too far one way, and he couldn't overcorrect. Yeah. Yep. And he, now he's probably looking for a new job. Uh, yeah. Well, they. <laughs> or he's been reassigned on the I boat. actually did see today that they, uh, like, the owners of the ship have sued i don't know how this works sued like the people who are actually operating the ship so like i I don't get how that works because technically you're paying them right like wouldn't you just but i don't know how that all works i saw that headline though and didn't end up reading the story so interesting stuff that guy's looking for a new breed or a new job we're looking at a new breed of dog earlier today the dog rates twitter account tweeted out about the world's first silver retriever Named Maui. Maui was born in north-central Mexico near one of the world's largest, you guessed it, silver mines. And is legitimately silver-furred, not just painted for a Twitter picture. So is this your new favorite breed of dog? And if not, what is your favorite breed? I I could get behind some silver silver retrievers. I, I dig the name. Love me Maui. Love me some Maui. So I'd put it in second place behind, I guess, my kind of dog. you got to pick your own dog. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And whatever it is at that particular time, because you, you have you have a dog, I have a dog. Yeah. Do, Josh, do you, do, do you have a dog? Does no, your family not have currently. Dogs? We we had dogs growing up, um, and I, not currently though. So Austin, no, never had a dog growing up, and my wife's a cat person, so we got one little cat. So you're not you're not ever gonna get a dog. Sounds like odds are well, it's been <laughs> talked about mixing and, and matching dogs and cats, but the odds are slim. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Good My stuff. dog's a spaniel. Yeah. Uh, they're hard to beat. Mini golden doodle. Yep. Nice. Very nice. Good stuff. She just got a haircut. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. Uh, our last topic, and we started with April Fool's, and that's where we're, where we're going to end. A 58-year-old woman from Wichita, Kansas, was arrested earlier today because of an April Fool's joke that went too far. Her name was Arnthea Willis, and she called her daughter earlier today saying that she'd been shot, and then 
promptly hung up the phone. So the daughter, thinking that her mother had been shot, immediately called 911. Police and medical services rushed oh, to her no. home. Oh, Guns no. drawn. They thought maybe they're, you know, she, you know, oh, not boy. knowing what had happened. They knocked on the door, didn't have any response. They ended up busting down the door and, of course, oh. ended up finding no one in the home. The woman had been at work the entire time. That's where she made the call from. And it was not a harmless joke. Willis was arrested for unlawful request of emergency assistance. Oh, boy. So not that, that went a little bit too far. So we're going to ask you guys, what is the most extravagant or outrageous mm. prank that you've been pulled? Hopefully nothing that went as far as being arrested for it. That's awful. That's bad. Yeah, oh that is God. not That's really bad. Oh not my a gosh. good idea. That is do not like, how do you how do you even drum something like I know. that? Up? Like that's like, not even funny. Don't like, think. Yeah, think through it. Like think through what you're doing before you do. Well, that's it. Not, and that's not even funny. Like no, that's not, not even a funny. That's not even a funny I, joke. I was cringing as you were telling that story. I know, like exactly. Oh, no, like just thinking through the whole situation. Yikes! Oh. Like that's doxing, but you did it to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I've done sports talk radio for so long. I, we, I used to do some of these where you'd throw something outlandish, some coach quit today or whatever. Was it Barstool today that yeah. ran the thing and said Adrian Martinez had entered the transfer portal and was going to go to Tennessee? <laughs> Stuff like that, but that's really all I've kind of done. Yeah. I mean, Josh, you, you lived with one of these roommates. I had two roommates, yeah. and it's it. There was a month where you, you just you just didn't know what was going to happen, and it was it was so out, outrageous and out of control. You were afraid to leave the apartment because it was always two on one, you know. And, and the teams changed all the time. As soon as somebody left, something was going to happen. I mean, mattresses put in front of your door so you couldn't get in your 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 uh, your door. We. we we got one of my roommates with a Lysol bomb where you tape the, the little, you know, the little uh, spray thing with the Lysol. You, like, duct tape it so, so it, it it's just going to keep going, right? And so we th- you throw it in the somebody's room and then you hold the door shut. So you just got this can of Lysol spraying nonstop until it runs out. It just all kinds of all kinds of stuff. I, I can't even remember. But there, that was a rough month for all of us. <laughs> and I'm glad that that month is yeah. over. Finally called a truce. Yeah. All right. Very good. There you go. Well done. Love that. Love that little segment. And we're back. Hour number three here on a Thursday night of Sports Nightly, our last hour of the night. Last hour of the week. Husker baseball tomorrow night from Champaign. As the Big Red open a series against the Fighting Illini, first pitch, 6 o'clock, pregame coverage begins at 5.30. Fun hour ahead. we got a face-off, a matchup between Josh and Tim. Cannot wait for this one. And we'll save some time at the end of the hour for our Flicks Picks segment as well. So let's get it going with the face-off. It's time for face-off. Let's go. Mano a mano. You, me, right here. Right now. Now, here are your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Ready for this? <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I don't know that they are. Oh, man. Uh, Austin, let, let's make sure the buzzer works. All right. For those who haven't heard the in a while, here is the sound for a correct answer. Yeah, I don't need to hear that. Uh, I just want the buzzer. Uh, the one that we are planning on hearing more of tonight is uh, this one. Uh, <laughs> boo. Start hearing it in your sleep, gentlemen. Uh, yeah. You know what? I'm right, ready. Boy. I'm, Good. I'm clenched up a little bit. But, Hi, Tim. Uh, Welcome, Tim. So it, glad to have you, Tim. Is it Tim or Timmy? Timmy. Yeah. The Timmy Award. Awesome. Timmy Wiggles. Or not. Yeah, I'm ready to take the throne. I'm already, I'm already getting my 
Yeah, hopefully you guys have that, that trophy ready to, to mail to my address. I still oh, haven't you, seen you, it hey, yet. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Pump the brakes. It's it's not going to be decided after tonight, pal. <laughs> best two of best three. Fair best, enough. Best if, of three. If you guys are good enough, we even make it a best five out of seven. <laughs> yes, five, not four. Oh, All right, that sounds uh, like punishment. Yeah, I'm not, not in on All that. All right. All right, here we go. Josh wrestles the trophy away from Ben last week, so now he's ready to defend against Tim. Question number one. All right, with a minimum of 20 – oh, wait, wait. We, we need to establish a few new rules. Yes. Wait, what? There is a new rule yes. implemented today. Oh, no. If – and I'm not saying who this rule is directed at, but I'm just going to throw it out there. If you buzz in before the question is done being read, the question will stop being read. Okay. Hmm. Okay. And if you don't have an answer ready, we're jo- Austin three-second rule. Yep, yep. Hit That's that fair. buzzer. All right. That is like titled it. the Tim Curran rule officially. And there, and, wow. and there hey, will not, not mentioning names. Yeah, I'm mentioning names here. Oh, I did. Sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. Now we're ready. All right. With a minimum of 25 at bats, name the top four hitters by average for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Josh. Tim. Mm. Oh, I think I was first. I heard, I heard, I heard the J. I heard the uh, J first of Josh. It was close. <laughs> oh, that's cheating right there. But what do you mean? Allow it. Austin, what do you mean? You'll allow it. How about you let the commissioners decide? Austin, Austin can be the tiebreaker. <laughs> I did hear Josh first. Like Ben right, said, Josh. the J. Because you're sitting in the same room as. Okay. Well, All right. Just... I'll, I'll start with Joe Acker. He was on the show earlier tonight. All right. Give me Joe Acker. Mm. So it begins. All right, Tim. Okay. Uh, give me Spencer Schwellenbach. How about Spencer Schwellenbach? Yep, he's hitting 333. Okay. And you have to play because he he missed out. So you got three to go. So uh, give me Max Anderson. How about Max Anderson? Yep, hitting 321 is Max Anderson. So you get two of the four. Let's go with, uh, okay, this is going to be tough. Let's go with Luke Roscom. How about Luke Roscom? Yeah. He's number one right now, guys. I was gonna He's say, hitting 379. He was the first one to come to mind, but I didn't think he had enough at-bats because he. I don't feel like he – He has 29 now okay. at-bats on right. the year because of last weekend's yeah. appearances. All right, you have just one to go, Tim, and you have no strikes. Okay, let's go with uh, Mr. Foster. How about Logan Foster? Oh. Dang it. All right, that's your first strike. Boo. Okay, so do I still get – it's been so long since I played. I get more guesses. First strike. Right? Okay. Yeah. First strike. First All right. strike. Three strikes and you're out. Kind of a baseball. Oh, term if you here. want to be done, you can concede, but it's not <laughs> not advised on on this show. Okay. Let's We're go. We're gonna with, need um, an answer, Tim. All right. Let's go with uh, this guy. I don't like this guess at all, but we'll go with Efri Cervantes. How about Efri Cervantes? Yeah. yeah. All right. Be, Got to be careful, Tim. One okay. more slip up, and Josh can steal the the question. Yeah, I hate this right now. This is this is difficult because there's so You've many well. guys. I know, but yeah, it's just it's tough when you get to those. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how many at bats there have been, how many guys. Okay. Uh, what about Everett? All right, Griffin Everett. Thank you, Josh. Big right. opportunity right here. I have two guys in mind. I have Cam Chick and Jackson Hallmark as the two. Sort of better I don't know than mine. I don't know if either of them are ones, but I'm going to go with the first one. I said Cam Chick. All right. How about Cam Chick for the steal? <sighs> Should have gone one? with the other one. Dang it. Jackson Hallmark no. getting 364. Oh. So Tim yeah. wins. Question Tim's on one. the board. Way to go, Timmy! There you go. Everyone doubted me, just right. like they did Drew Timmy. 
Are we ready? Yes. For question two. Who are the last four Huskers to be drafted in the NFL? Tim. That's Tim. Tim, Tim, this one's yours. Okay, so we'll go with uh, Mr. Tanner Lee. Tanner Lee. Okay. 2018 in the sixth round to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, he could pass here if he wants to pass. You could pass if you'd like. You know what? I might just end up doing that because I know I'm going to get my order mixed up. I, I know... Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and pass. I'll go ahead and pass. Oh, Passing the category go. to Josh. Hmm. That's a, <laughs> somehow that's a like worse a... pass than Tom Brady's <laughs> ever thrown. <laughs> that didn't seem like a enthusiastic. Hmm. Josh hmm. now has control of the board, though. I know, but I don't like... <sighs> I'm just trying to think. Don't forget, Tim, you would have to get one right should Josh not clear the category. Yep, that's true. Um, that's right. Yeah. Josh yeah. has control of the board. I'll try Khalil Davis. Khalil Davis. Yes. Sixth round by Tampa Bay. Last Tanner Lee was a sixth rounder by Jacksonville. I can't remember if Carlos was drafted as well, but I'll try him. How about his brother, Carlos? You bet he was. Seventh round draft pick last year by the Pittsburgh Steelers. So how so many do we one need? More. One oh, more. Oh, need one left. Right. Oh. Three guesses. So we have those are both la last year. Twenty twenty. Yes. Yep. Tanner Lee in twenty eighteen. I'm forgetting somebody. I don't know who it is. This is bad. I'm not going to say the year, and this will not benefit. I mean, hopefully it benefits one of you, but <laughs> there, there, there is only one player drafted this year, so it's not like you have yeah. to determine, say a guy was drafted in the first round, a guy was drafted in the second round, right. you have to choose the second rounder over the first rounder. I just can't sense. think of... Uh, I don't think this guy was drafted, but I'll say Luke Gifford. Luke Gifford. Yeah. Probably should have been. Undrafted right, free agent yeah, yeah, to the yeah. Dallas Cowboys. I'm just okay. trying to think of guys who yeah, are in the a good pros guess. right now. Um, Not a bad guess. What about Lamar Jackson? Show me Lamar Jackson. Another undrafted free right. agent. Yeah, I know. New York Jets. I, starting, though. Starting I know. Well, that's what I'm, so, I'm, yeah. I'm, mm. Again, good guess. I'm trying to uh, – now I'm running out of – Brain power here. I yeah. I hope I hope Tim doesn't have anybody. I yeah. I, I really can't think of anybody. Um, this is way too far back. Seathan Carter. Show me Seathan Carter. Incorrect. I'm gonna Tim, kick, kick myself. To steal. Well. <laughs> I should have a name uh, at this point, but I don't. The one name I do have in my head, I know he wasn't drafted, and but I'm just going to throw it out there anyway because I literally don't know who else to put out there. So, <sighs> Divina Zigbo. <laughs> <laughs> With confidence, Divina Zigbo for the steal. No, nope. I knew it. Who is it? Was, I mean, it's Nathan Gary. Oh, really? In 2017. Okay. So that yeah, was fifth round by the Philadelphia Eagles. He, to me, seems like he's further back than that. Right. That's he, was, what I, he played for Riley. He played for Mike Riley. One, he seems further back than that. Yeah. I, yeah. That's all yeah. right. I'll take it. All right. I'll, 
One one. Right? One one. We're there even. We go. right. We're going to at least five tonight. Question number three. <laughs> you guys ready? You no. need a break. Need a break. Water break. Well, I can yeah. tell people to buckle up and put the phone down. A reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. All right, that's breaks all. over. All breaks right. over. <laughs> uh, question three. Name the last five Big Ten schools to play for a national Ooh. championship in basketball. Josh. 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 Michigan. How about Michigan? How about it? They did. Uh, they, in fact, they played it for it twice in, in the last decade. 2018 is the most recent time. They also played for it in 2013, so they're one of the five. Do you want to play or pass? I'll play. I, I, I like ones like this where you have a limited amount of answers and you should be able to at least throw stuff out there. Um, with that being said, I'll say Indiana, even though that's a ways back. Okay. Give me Indiana. They're not one of the five most recent ones right. to play. One strike. What about Michigan State? How about Sparty? Yep, 2009 they played for the title. Who are the Got who is that against? North, yeah. North Carolina. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Roy Williams, who retired today. Austin Orman's favorite team. Right. <laughs> Happy April Fools to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a joke. I thought it was maybe an April Fools joke when I first heard that story today. Yeah, same. It's a weird day to announce that you're retiring, yep. but Yep. Oh man, I don't know what direction to go here. How many is it five? Yeah, five. Yep, two you've out of five. Two. So far. Three five left. most recent. Huh. Um, and the Big Ten schools to play for a college basketball national championship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Let's go with Ohio State. How about the Buckeyes? Yes, sir. 2007. Mm-hmm. Got beat by the Gators. Yeah, so I remember that now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that now, but that... Mm. Dad Mata, right, Ben? Yeah. All right, you got one. Yeah. You only got one strike. You got two, two left. Go. Two left to go. Um, I don't think this is right, but I'm going to guess Minnesota. How about the Goofers? Yeah. You and be see, careful. this is yeah. Be ready, this, Tim. This is bad because yeah, Tim's waiting in the wings. Um, I'll say Wisconsin. How about the Badgers? Fifteen. That Frank Kaminsky oh, yeah. team that, that got beat was it Kentucky that beat them? Yeah, that really good Kentucky team beat them in the finals. I'm having a All real right. yeah hard hard time thinking of. Remembering teams that lost in national championships for some reason. So that's all the got, Big Ten teams, by the way. You've right. got two strikes and only one more to get right. There's only one left. One strike. Yeah, the question is: Name the last five Big Ten schools that have played for a national championship in hoops. <sighs> and this is men's. I should probably okay. put that in there too. I wasn't. We're not trying to trick you here. Yeah. Did they have to be a Big Ten school when it happened? Current Big Ten school. All right. I'll say Maryland then. How about the Maryland Terrapins? 
All right, Tim. Josh, we knew that was probably going to come up, so we we were ready to answer the question mm, if okay. it was brought up. Right, this is difficult. Tim. Josh took the four most obvious ones, so leaving me with... Uh, Never asked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what about Purdue? Maybe. Mm. How about, oh, that's good. How about Purdue? Oh. Oh. Who is it? It's, it's the Fighting Illini. Oh, oh that's yes. Bruce Weber. Ah. 2005 got D beat Brown. by Roy Williams in sure. North Carolina. Dang it. So Josh wins it. Yeah, that was lucky. Tim, I, yeah. You're up 2-1. Josh is up 2-1. Oh, that was lucky. Okay, Tim, we're going to need to bounce back here. This is this yep. question's right in your wheelhouse. We're going to the NBA next. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> name the top, since they're in first place, name the top five players in minutes played for the Utah Jazz. Tim? <laughs> Timmy. Okay, Tim. Okay. <laughs> this is stupid. Why did I buzz in? Rudy Gobert. <laughs> Rudy Gobert. Yes, sir. Oh, yes. Defensive player of the year in the league is second in minutes played for the Utah Jazz. First place Utah Jazz. Best record in the NBA. Okay. Uh, Donovan Mitchell. How about Spida Mitchell? (laughs) Absolutely. Number one, 33.6 minutes played for Donovan Mitchell. Tim, you took the two players that I know on on that team, so you're (laughs) you're good. You can give give them the category. This could be my brain in some type of fugue state, but I seem to recall that at one point Ricky Rubio might have played for the Jazz, so I'm going to guess Ricky Rubio. (laughs) Ricky (laughs) Rubio. That's my slides. That was a great guess. <laughs> Ricky well, Rubio has not played for the Utah Jazz, and he's a current member of the Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> After having played for the Phoenix Sun, so you're off by a few years well, there, Timbo. I'm a big NBA. I'm a hoops head. If you guys haven't haven't I mean, figured out by now, um, well, this is this is pretty difficult. I uh, I don't watch the NBA at all, so <laughs> trying to recall like uh, rosters from NBA 2K right now. So smart. Uh, there's a guy. Uh, I know Joel Inglis. Is that his name? Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to go with him. How about be? Ingles? Joe Ingles. Sorry, is he yeah. on the list? No. It's not a Tim, bad guess. Tim, that's a great <laughs> – Tim, that's a good guess. He is a current member of the Utah Jazz. I think he's sixth, I think he's sixth in minutes played. Yeah, so that's a good guess. But I will tell you guys, Ben was giggling when he was that's putting so, his question. It's so and, mean. Like I, and, and just so you know, I got all five. Well, good for you. So I would have gotten Gobert and, I got and Mitchell. But Wait, Tim's got one, Tim's more, got one more guess. I know he does. That's, that's fine. But well, yeah, right, you can right. already give him the category. I'm not going to steal this. There's no way. If I can get one more, I w- I'm actually really upset right now because that was the one I had. Um, that was a good guess, Tim. It was a very good guess. So it's not him. So that means it's does, does Tabo Cephalosius, is he still in the league? I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> How about Tabo Cephalosius? <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that name to come out on Sports Nightly tonight. <laughs> Great guess. Here we are. I'm, I'm <laughs> laughing at uh, at Tim, but this is going to be just as bad. Is one of the Bogdanoviches on on the Utah Jazz and in the top five minutes played? I'm going to need a first name. Bogdan. <laughs> Bovan is it? Is one of them in there? It is Bohan. It's Bohan. Yeah. Oh, so is one brother. of them it? Yeah, it is oh, his yes. brother, yeah. You couldn't have given me – oh, come on. Because there's two of them, so you had to specify. The other one plays for the Atlanta Hawks. That's kind of mean. That I is think. mean. I can't oh, believe God. that. Tim, what Put would you have done if you were 
the I'd judge. Just guess if, if there was no, only one Bogdanovich in the I know, NBA, but... I would have given it to you. Hmm. All right, they're tied at two, right? Uh, first of all, kudos to both of you for yeah. Josh pulling Bogdanovich out of thin air and Tim uh, get throwing Joe Ingles out there. Tell them who the rest so of the guys. So Royce O'Neal. No way. Yeah, is averaging 31 minutes. And one of them you could you should have gotten, Mike Conley, the starting point oh, guard, sure. averaging no. 30 minutes. Didn't know he was left the Grizzlies ever, so that's fine. Yeah. But. yeah, it's true. They are tied at two. Here we go. Question five. Saturday night, Nebraska hosts the Big Ten men's gymnastics meet. Name the six events that comprise a men's meet. Josh. 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 <sighs> All right. I am going to say the high bar. How about the high bar? I am not a gymnastics expert. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was that is that is a yes. Right. It's called it's called the horizontal horizontal bar. But I, that is I knew I knew Austin was was causing for pause because right. we did not we did not get a sounder. Player Let's, pass. I'll play. I think I okay. can get a few of these. Uh, what about the pommel horse? Give me the pommel horse. Yeah. Um. The parallel bars. How about the parallel bars? Very yeah. uh, painful, by the way. That no thanks. Um, the vault. How about the vault? Just ripping through it. Just ripping through the category. Greg with a layup question. I guess. No. <laughs> can, can you uh, tell me what I've guessed so far? You've gotten pommel horse, the vault, the parallel bars, and the horizontal bar. What about the rings? Is that How about the rings? Something? One to go, no strikes. Um, the floor exercise. How about the floor exercise? All right. Man, he swept it. Sharpie wow. gives the layup question. I know my man. Olympic events. Jeez. Just, ju- just was rough. dusted through Tim, it. Tim, were you were you ready to steal that or? No, I had like two other guesses that Josh didn't hit on, but I don't okay. think I would have gotten all those. Where are we at here? We're at three, three two. two. Josh. Josh. I'm All still right. I'm I'm playing in protest. I think I should have gotten the Bogdanovich Bogdanovich yeah, one, but I, I said why. I, I, I said I know, why. I know. I didn't even know they were brothers. I know. And, and you beat me, so obviously I'm right. holding a little yeah, bit of grudge here. Whatever. Okay. All right, here we go. <laughs> Opening day, Major League Baseball today. Name the top five active hits leader in Major League Baseball. Top Tim. Four. Uh, yeah. Very confident Tim. That, I was Tim. confused. I think All I right. broke my own rule because. <laughs> Tim, Tim, go ahead. Three, two, uh, one. No, I don't. Okay, I just screwed up. I, I brain fart. <laughs> Buzzy, Josh. What about, what about Miguel Cabrera? Miggy. That's who I was going to guess, dang it. Why don't uh, I just say it? Tim. I just Cabrera. seized up. Home run today, first home run in 2021, and he slides into second base doing it. <laughs> Miguel Cabrera. All Josh. Right, I'll play because I have to. You have to play. Because I have to, I will do it. Um, I'll say Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols. I know machine. I just Albert. I know machine. <laughs> Only career active hits leader over three thousand hits. Right. That's, That's where you got where number one and number two. I'm. I don't think this guy is in there, but I'll go with a guy who actually plays for the Cardinals, not a former one, Yadi or Molina, just because he's played for fifty years. Show me Yadi. <laughs> Yes, sir. And uh, Josh, just so you know, we got an alert on the bottom of the screen that Bogdan Bogdanovich has eight points tonight for the Hawks All right, over the whatever. Spurs. 
Um, <laughs> rubbing salt in the wound. But yes, you've gotten three of the four with no strikes. Very impressive so far. One more answer to go up 1-0. Active career hits leaders. This one I don't think is right, but I'm going to go there. Uh, Mike Trout. He hasn't Show me enough. Mike Trout. We, we looked that up. He's like 17th uh, or 21st or something. 22nd, I believe. Yeah. And, Josh, just so you know, I would have struck out. I think I got three of the four. All right. Did you get the I one that I out. missed? No. Okay. I did not. Wow. All right. So that clue, makes me right feel there. a little That's bit more comfortable. Um, okay. So I, I said the na name the top four active hits leaders. You've gotten one with Pujols, number two with Cabrera, and number four with Yachty. You're Yachty, missing number three. by the way. 2,001 hits going into today. I'm so he just got 2,000 at the end of last season. Wow. All right. I Yeah, this is a struggle right now. Um, Austin and I actually just did a, a random fantasy baseball draft, so I feel like I should be coming up with these. But um, I'm going to say DJ LeMayhew. <laughs> <laughs> Show me DJ LeMayhew. I wish you guys could have seen Austin's reaction to that. <laughs> um, Odds my, on my favorite to lead the MLB in average that probably this year, is, but he's got a ways to is, go. Is Ichiro still a guy? I'm, that's not my guess. <laughs> um, he is still a guy. He is not active. How about Ryan Braun? Ooh, good guess. Show me Ryan Braun. That means it's wrong. Okay. Tim, over to you. Not one of the guys that I care about. Tim with. needs this to stay yes, in the game. Yes, Tim, this is to stay alive. Uh, does Joey Votto still play? <laughs> That's a good know. guess. Does he? Is that Show your me, guess? Is that your guess? Yeah, Joey Votto. Show me Joey Votto. That's a great guess. Tim, that's an outstanding guess. He was fifth on the list. Hey. <laughs> that was a great guess. Dang it. All right. What, who Number was it? three, Robinson Cano. Oh, hmm. all right. Did not come to with mind. 26-24. How many hits Robinson Cano has? And yeah, Votto was below 2,000, so we cut it off at 2,000. We thought, ah, oh, 2,000 or more. All right. Made kind of a. So Josh wins round one. I tell you what, though, these your questions were hard. Man. Whoa, 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 whoa! The, just because they, they don't know the the number one team <laughs> in the NBA, and and they got 40 percent of it right. So yeah, we did good for not knowing it. So yeah, much to think about. Good, good game, Tim. I. Um, you're a worthy opponent, and look forward to next week. Tim, next I'm, I'm impressed with two of your answers tonight. Joe Ingles was was a good was a good guess. Joey Votto was a good yeah. guess. Yeah, Efri yeah, Cervantes, not your best effort. No, no it was Tavo Cephalosha, but <laughs> Tavo Cephalosha. <laughs> I'm proud of that one. That's a name drop right well, there. Name most, drop, in, yes. most impressive name drop award goes to me for Tavo yeah. Cephalosha. Love it. Nothing good on TV anymore? Struggling to find something to watch? There's no crying in baseball! Well, we've got you covered. I'm gonna make him an offer again with you. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. It's time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! All right, let's see what's on everybody's screens. What have you been viewing? Well, my wife and I started this show on Netflix called The One. And it's an interesting idea that there's this woman who essentially comes up with this scientific test that each individual can take, and it partners you up with your soulmate, your one match. Well, as you can imagine, you know, married couples begin to take this test, and you're you're not matched up with your married couple at the time, and all kind of ethics get called into question. 
Really interesting premise. We're only two episodes in, so I'm yet to give you a grade, thumbs up or thumbs down. See, so do you finish the other one, the goofy one, which we are disputing that Olivia was <laughs> Wicked watching Tuna? Or no, Battlefish? Battlefish, yeah, we're done with that. God, uh, I'm still not buying that. That's fine. <laughs> Ask her. Yeah, we finished, We wrapped that up. Uh, I think it was only like eight episodes. But, yeah, yeah so we're, we're two episodes in. I can't give you a thumbs up Name or again? The One? The One the on one. Netflix. So I'll give you the, the full synopsis and uh, eval later on. All right. Okay, Josh? All right. Uh, we've actually been on a documentary kick lately, all of these on, on Netflix. So I'm going to list off three of them and then focus on one of them. One of them was really bad. It was called The Last Blockbuster, and the premise of it sounded interesting, but the way it was put together, would not recommend. Uh, one of the good ones was called The Speed Cubers. This one was pretty short. It was only like 40 minutes, but it talked about these people who solve Rubik's Cubes really fast and are you know compete for world record times. And it, it was actually a really cool story. And then the last one that I have a little trailer here, it's called Operation Varsity Blues, The College Admissions Scandal. So here's a little tease of that one. All of our friends are only talking about one thing, and it's this story. An FBI investigation called Operation Varsity Blues. USC... UCLA and Rick Singer. The mastermind behind the entire operation. Is there any risk that this thing blows up in my face? Hey, Rick. Hey there. Is this a good time? Yeah, yeah, it's good for me. Rick, I had a question for you. It's just you and me. Is that kosher? Absolutely. I just wanted you to walk me through the whole thing again and how it works. We help the wealthiest families in the U.S. get their kids into school. So I've done 761 what I would call side doors. The front door means getting in on your own. So I've created this kind of side door in because my families want a guarantee. So you, you probably remember a few years ago when this all broke about the, you know these rich people paying for their kids to get into college. Rick Singer was the guy that was behind the whole scandal. So this actually recreates the, it kind of dramatizes it, but then also talks to real people in documentary style, but dramatizes it, the phone calls that happened because the FBI was tapping all these phone calls. So it's pretty cool. It was really interesting. And um, yeah, I definitely give it a watch. So. How many parts is it? It's just one part. It's about 90 minutes. So, yep. All right. Yeah, I'm going to watch that. It's good. Nice. Austin. Yeah, that's on my list now, too. Josh was talking me through it before the show, so that'll definitely be on my list. Not a whole lot on in the Orman household right now. Still going through Seinfeld a little bit, but late nights haven't had much of a chance to sit down and Oops. watch it. So Seinfeld and then also Mandalorian Season 2, I still haven't gotten around to that. So that'll be a little late night thing probably coming up here soon. People fired up about that. Well, my wife and I just finished Bridgerton. This is a Netflix series, and it follows Daphne Bridgerton, the oldest daughter of the powerful Bridgerton family in uh, England. And right at the early 1800s, she makes her debut trying to find a man to marry in the marriage market. Here's a preview. All is fair in love and war. Miss Daphne Bridgerton. You have no idea what it is to have one's entire life reduced to a single moment. The time has come for the social season. Tighter! She to breathe, Mama! My name is Lady Whistledown. You do not know me, but I know you. This is what they have been trained for since birth. 
which young ladies might succeed at securing a match. You've always amused me, Miss Bridgerton. Ever since I was a schoolboy and you were. Oh, but five? This was released in early January, eight episodes. It was all the rage. It's Rotten Tomatoes loves it. They give it like a 94, 89, I guess. I, I, I was okay. Uh, I think my wife enjoyed it more than I did. It's a little racy. Josh, I mean, you said Victoria's watching it. I mean, it gets steamy. Yes, it does. Uh, I, I did not watch it. I caught you know, maybe like five minutes of it here and there. It's something that she watched while I wasn't around. But, yeah, I, I uh, pr- not really my cup of tea, but, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're right. No it, British pun intended. All right. High high. Regards for most people, though. Yeah, I mean, it's it was a it's all the rage. You heard all the Hollywood types talking about it. It was fine. It wasn't high high in my list. Sat down to spend some time with my wife watching that. So there you go, Bridgerton. All right, that's gonna put a wrap on the show tonight and for the week. Baseball tomorrow night from Champagne, six o'clock first pitch. Huskers and Illini. Our pregame coverage begins at five thirty. We'll be back next week with more sports alley on Monday. We'll have our baseball show with Will Bull. Thanks to Ben, to Josh, to Austin, and to all of you. Enjoy the weekend. Happy Easter to everyone. And we'll talk to you tomorrow night from Champaign.